It's March 13th, 2023, and today on Locked On Twins, we are going to be talking about my 10 lead pipe locks for your Minnesota Twins. So sit tight, buckle up, because that's coming up now on Locked On Twins, your team every day. You are Locked On Twins, your daily Minnesota Twins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello again and welcome back to Locked On Twins, part of the Locked On Sports Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E as it states on the bottom of this video if you are watching on YouTube. Today, we are going to tackle my 10 lead pipe locks. So that's how these are things I think are going to happen for sure for your 2023 Twins. Now, Last week, in the inaugural week of me taking over the show, we did 10 bold predictions. And some of them were excessively bold. Some were, you know, a little less so. In this case, I feel confident that all 10 of these things are going to happen. So let's just... Let's just dive right in. First of all, though, I want to say this. Um, please be active in the comments. If you can, on YouTube, give us five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening, Spotify. It just helps us on the business end of things, so please feel free to do that. Uh, leave a comment if you can as well. Two, if you have questions to be answered on the show, I will solicit them on Twitter. And feel free to ask them in the comments. Feel free to send them to me on Twitter. Or just hit me up wherever, email, Pony Express, whatever it takes. I want this to be an interactive show. I want to talk to you. I want you to talk back to me and that sort of thing. And, and let's have some fun with it. And then finally, too, I know and I I addressed this late last week, too, that the, the posting schedule has been a little sporadic. It's been a little bit off. It, it won't stay that way. I just I have my four-month-old son during the day while my wife is at work. And so it makes it hard to record and not have any interruptions, but who knows? Maybe he'll join me for one and uh, and we'll make it work. But when he, yeah, like I said, when he goes to daycare, everything is going to kind of clear up so that he can be where he needs to be and I can be where I need to be. Now, with that said, let's go for it. Five lead pipe locks in segment one here. They're all offense. In the second segment, all pitching, except for the last one. I know people count these things, but... Then in the final segment, we have questions from you. And so we'll get to as many of those as we can. I think we had seven or eight or nine that I put down that were good. We're not going to have time to cover all that. But we'll have more time if I get into this. So let's just dive right in. Number one, I have Byron Buxton finishing top five in the MVP vote if he plays at least 100 games. Now, I toyed with top three. But then I thought about it, like, if he plays 103 games, it's awfully hard to finish top three. Top five, I could see. But top three, if you only play 112, 115 games, that was a little bit too far of a bridge for me to cross. So Byron Buxton will finish top five in the AL MVP vote if he plays at least 100 games this season. Mark it down. Number two, the Twins and their fans, the Twins fans, excuse me, will not miss Luis Arise as much as they thought they would, with one caveat, on the field. 
Now, it's it's not that I'm necessarily expecting Luis Arise to stumble with Miami. Um, I just think his fit, it, it was a little odd. You know, he wasn't a very good second baseman defensively, and Miami will probably find that out too. Offense, he was phenomenal, but not a natural first baseman, not really the kind of guy you're going to put at DH. And, you know, there are some health woes that, if they were to get worse, would significantly cap his potential as an offensive threat. You know, the knees, um, just the aches and pains. It, it 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 became obvious late in the season that he was a compromised player. He still obviously put together a tremendous season. But beyond that, you know, the fact that he was kind of a, a hybrid, but at, at the same time, not good defensively, defensive player. Like he, he could, he could in theory play all over, but not very well. Uh, that made him a weird fit for a team that's now to hopefully hoping to find a way to get Brooks Lee in the lineup every day, sometime in the medium term future. Um, Edward Julien, similar kind of deal defensively where he doesn't have much of a home. Um, you know, they can figure out what Jose Miranda is going to do. They got to figure out what Royce Lewis is going to do when he comes back. So, to deal from a position of strength before people realized it was a strength is, is kind of an interesting move. You know, like you think, oh, they don't they don't have enough to replace him. Well, in the aggregate, they're going to think they do, especially with the signing of Donovan Solano. But getting out in front of something like this, it's better to trade a guy a year too early than a year too late. And we've seen that. I mean, I was talking about this with Jose Barrios after his last start in the World Baseball Classic. Um I was, I was talking about this, not to him, but it looks like the twins got out when the getting was good on Jose Barrios. And I, I don't mean or desire any ill will toward him, just that it's it's obviously been a struggle since that. Do I think the same thing's gonna happen with Luis Arise? Not necessarily. But again, they got a good value. Um, getting Salas back in the trade too is is a tremendous value. So that, that's number two. I think the Twins fans will not miss Luis Arise as much as they think they will. Number three, Christian Vazquez ends up being a godsend, not only to the rotation, but to the offense as well. Now, he, he's not known as a great offensive catcher. Very, very few catchers in this day and age are. But I think he's just going to be a little bit better of a line mover offensively, you know, chain mover than, um, than Gary Sanchez was. Gary Sanchez, for one reason or another, still unsigned, which is – Equal parts surprising and not, if that makes sense. Because you know he can hit, but he doesn't hit enough to be a DH. He's not really a great defensive catcher. He didn't embarrass himself last year. Who knows what he's asking for money-wise. Whatever. Twins fans saw an awful lot of Gary Sanchez behind the plate last year in spots that will now be filled by Christian Vasquez, uh, known as a very good defensive catcher. Seems to be a pretty good clubhouse guy as well. I think Vasquez completely revolutionizes this pitching staff bullpen and then you have him hit seven eighth or ninth and give you a respectable average and on base percentage i mean gary sanchez could pop a homer every now and then but this is going to be a little better offensive skill set that's less uh all or nothing even if it's not that of a you know a guy that's going to challenge for mvp votes number four and, and maybe this one was too easy um each of max kepler's slash numbers from last season will increase this year and you can blame it on hitting the ball on the ground. You can blame it on the shift or, or a combination of the two. But Kepler slashed 227, 318, 348 last year. Um, surprisingly enough, that was still better than a 90 OPS plus, which goes to show just how bad the offensive environment was last season. But 
I just see, I think the shift will help, but I just see a better ball player in there than that. And there was, it, it would have been nonsensical for the twins to trade him this off season. I I've come back and reconsidered and considered that. And, you know, it's kind of funny that we ever thought this would be too crowded of an outfield when you consider Alex Kirloff and Trevor Larnick have not shown the ability to stay healthy yet. They're going to need Max Kepler this season. Um, and I think he's going to have a, a nice little bounce back season. Um, the final offensive one, and this one, I don't know how people are going to feel about it. Donovan Solano plays a much bigger role than people are expecting. Now, I think people will expect him to hit against lefties, play a little second base, maybe a little first base. But I think when you look at the volatility of injuries, there's going to be plenty of playing time to be had by these utility guys. I just think Solano has that little it factor, you know, his contact kind of guy who can turn the order over on the bottom, you know, keep things moving. You know, you don't you don't want black holes at the bottom of your lineup, whether it's seven, eight, nine, eight, nine. Um, perfectly respectable hitter for the bottom third. And he's gonna do enough of those like small ball things that twins fans of a certain age have been yearning for that um, you know, he might be some of the boomers' favorite player. But um, I think he plays a bigger role. I think when you look at every World Series champion at the end of the year, or even just really good teams in the playoffs, they always have that one guy where they're like wow, where'd they get him? Man, glad they had him. You know, you get to the end of the season and it might be your third third guy on the bench is is playing, you know, huge games for you starting in the playoffs because he's on that hot streak. It was like, is Monty Grandal not playing in that postseason um, for the Dodgers after things kind of went sideways on him with pass balls and that sort of thing. So I am... Uh, I'm thinking that Solano is going to play a bigger role than people are considering. Now, before we get into the pitching side of these, let's just talk for a brief second about LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn jobs can get you not only a job for yourself, but jobs for qualified candidates if you're looking to hire somebody. So find qualified candidates faster and better this time around on linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. You can post your job that you're looking to fill for free. But again, too, it's it's an interesting social network for professionals. So you can interact and connect with people either in your line of work or your industry or your, your business itself. Um, it, it's, a, it's an untapped resource for a lot of people. And so check it out, linkedin.com slash locked on MLB and post your job for free. Now, uh, the five more lead pipe locks, and I hesitate to call them um, five more pitching because I, I screwed up the math last week and got called out on it. Um, deservedly so. Don't, um, don't, don't get me wrong. Just uh, um, I didn't know people would be listening that closely. So thank you. Keep me on my toes. So the first one, at least one Twins pitcher will take the next step forward and not in a small way. Now, I'm not trying to make these deliberately kind of flimsy so that I can fall back on, on yeah, I was right, you know. Uh, that's not my style. But what I'm thinking is someone like Tyler Malley takes that next step to where you want whoever this guy is is the consensus choice to take the ball first game of the playoffs or opening day next year, whatever it is. This is the bulldog. This is the stopper. Um, I'm trying to think of who I feel it's going to be. 
I, I think that it's a three horse race. I don't see Sonny Gray getting to that level just because at the age he's at, he just kind of is who he is. And Kenta Maeda, it'd be unfair to expect that. I think Joe Ryan's got a shot just because of the moxie and he knows what to do with what he has. You can't sleep on that. He doesn't have that big time stuff, but at times Zach Grinke didn't have big time stuff. He was a very smart pitcher who could, could outsmart opposing hitters. Do I think Joe Ryan has the ability to do that and, and peak find his peak as a very, very good starter in this league? I do. Um, He'd probably be my third from a raw stuff point standpoint, it would be Mally for me, but I think Pablo Lopez is the guy that I'm expecting to take that step forward. Uh, He was just so good early last year and then kind of faltered down the stretch. And he's just looked very sharp so far. Uh, Obviously spring training caveats apply, but I just, um, I love the total package of, of, of repertoire and how he commands it and how he uses it. I think the changeup is phenomenal. And I, I, uh, that's my, what would you call it? Guilty pleasure is a really good changeup. And honestly, I don't feel guilty. It's just something that I feel like maybe, you know, people like big time fastballs and nasty sliders. And I like those things too, but a really good changeup is just, um, oh, it's just, it's just the best. And I think that's, what's going to be the reason Pablo Lopez takes the step toward being an ace. It's, it's going to be a big jump for him. Do I think that we'll call him a top 10 pitcher? I, I can't say that. But he'll be in that conversation where you'll say, if the Twins can line it up, you want him starting game one in the postseason. I'm going to be on the record for that. Number two on the second segment of Lead Pipe Locks. Uh, there obviously won't be a Juwan Duran. But I am seeing another, I think there'll be another breakout, kind of like a Griffin Jacks level breakout. And it's going to be a reliever that nobody is talking about right now, like Griffin Jacks um, a year ago. So my my initial thought is Giovanni Moran. Uh, heat from the left side. The command's got to get there, but the changeup's good. Uh, good secondary stuff. I I don't know, though. Is that too obvious of an answer? But I, I love the skill set. I think there'll be an opportunity there. If it's not Moran, though, the two guys that I'm kind of keeping at the back of my uh, you know, the back of my head, back burner, Cole Sands. Um, if you look at like weighted pitch values last year, his fastball graded out well without peak velocity. So then you look at his repertoire and it's fastball slider split. Now to me, that's enough that you could obviously, um, you could obviously be a starter, but if the fastball is good, I think the slider got hit pretty hard and then the split was pretty good. I think you can kind of condense that down in a reliever's repertoire where he can just come out throwing high octane with, you know, whether you want one or two secondaries, whatever works. Um, but I could see him having like that Zach Littell late in 20, was it 2019 jump um, where one of the, like a guy like that becomes way more trusted. And then um, Dennis Santana, I just keep coming back to also too, because out of options has some big league success and big time stuff. Obviously, we talked about Stuff Plus just loving his fastball from um, from Friday's show. So go back and check that out, too. But, yeah, um, Sandra Santana would make some sense. And I'm talking about early in the season because, as you'll see later on, um, nope, actually, you know what? I, 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 had, I had these notes. The one that just hit the cutting room floor, I think Josh Winder is going to be a very good reliever, but in the second half, he's going to have to get through his shoulder stuff. 
Um, and there won't be enough rotation spots opening up in the meantime. The Twins will see Josh Winder be like, he can help us in the bullpen. Um, so that's not one of the lead pipe locks. It initially was, but it fell off the cutting room floor because I realized that my last one had gotten skipped. Um, so so keep in the back of your mind that I think Josh Winder helps this team a lot as a reliever late in the season. Um, so number three, Jorge Lopez makes sure everyone forgets about his 2022 stretch with the Twins. Now, he was so good in the first half that he was at the All-Star game. Obviously, I think there's a, a story about uh, him and Buxton chatting about how cool it would be if the Twins traded for him. I mean, I don't know how how realistic or true those stories are, but they make for good copy. Um, and I know, like, there was talk about messing with his repertoire and what it did to him with the Twins and and that sort of thing. And I just think the fastball, the sinking fastball and the secondary stuff, regardless of how it's used, it's just too good for him to not be a difference-making reliever. If he's not as good as he was in the first half last year, that's that's still acceptable. I'm not I'm not expecting that, but there's really no reason why he's not going to be the team's second most reliable reliever. I just I think the the talent is there, everything you need. He's a guy who's struggled in the past, so he's learned how to learn from those mistakes or just learned from how the league is, how difficult it is for a young player. Um, yeah, I think Jorge Lopez turns things around in a big way. Okay, so this one. I said there will be two starters. This is number nine, by the way. There will be two starters not in the opening day rotation that will be in it when the season ends. Now, I'm leaning Bailey Ober, which I think is the easy one. Bailey Ober is basically 5B. Um, somebody in the next segment asks about um, if they go a six-man rotation. Bailey Ober is a six guy. You know, if they need to to manage the innings of Ken to Maeda or something like that. But... I'm thinking when the season ends, Bailey Ober. Uh, well, you know, I say Ober's obvious, but then I think about the fact that he hasn't been a durable guy either. So I'll stick with there'll be two starters. My initial inclination is Ober and um, Louis Varland. And I, I went back and forth with Josh Winder, who's behind a little bit in spring training, and Simeon Woods Richardson, who I think – even though he was just phenomenal, he's still the youngest of the group. They may slow play him just a little bit more. Um, now, with that said, I mean, he could be ready at the end of the year. He's only going to be 22, 23. I'm going to go Ober and Varland, but I think Simeon Woods Richardson could very easily make that a tough decision. Still, though, I think there will be, and I'm not talking about, you know, two rookies making the last two starts of the season or something. I'm talking about these guys will be mainstays and it will not be for not because the final lead pipe lock is that the twins are going to win the 2023 central. There's this team is just too deep and I, you know, we'll do some cross um, promotion with other teams in the division and I'm sure I'll take heed for it, uh, which is fine, but uh, the twins are going to win this division. They're deeper. They are strong up the middle. They have, more relief pitching than people think. They have more rotation help than people think. I think people are sleeping on them right now. This is a 92-win club, and I hope we revisit this in October. I really do. Um, let's let's talk about Built Bars. And you heard Nash talk about them on our postcasts. They're delicious, nutritious, tastes like a candy bar, but they are healthy, which is incredible. It's amazing what... Um, 
what the, the food technology has become over the last few years. Because I had a friend who was a bodybuilder in the 80s, and he said the proteins and everything were just wretched. And now we have Built Bar, which is, like I said, a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. If you want to get on that train, you can go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, and get 15% off your next order. I am literally standing by my mailbox waiting for my first shipment because um, I've been told by a number of people that they hit the spot. They deliver on their promises. So um, I'm stoked. Now let's wrap up with listener questions. And I've mentioned this on a number of occasions. We will close with listener questions for the last segment of each show until the regular season starts. I think we're going to do a morning after segment, a preview segment, and then a free-for-all in the middle. But until we have actual meaningful games to, to break down, um, more meaningful than Jose De Leon helping pitch a perfect game in the World Baseball Classic, um, we're going to answer your questions because, again, this is an interactive, fun show, and hopefully you're enjoying it. So we'll get to as many of these as we can in the few minutes we have left here. Extreme Elixir wants to know if the Twins do go the route of a six-man rotation, who do you expect to take on that sixth-man role? I think the writing is on the wall that it's Bailey Ober. And, you know, I've talked about him a couple different times. And it's, uh, you know, it's tough because you're not going to bump any of the top five in the rotation if they're healthy. But at the same time, Bailey Ober has done nothing to prove that he shouldn't be in the big leagues pitching uh, every fifth day. It's hard to know if he would handle a relief workload based on the fact that he's He's thrown the right number of innings, but not in a sense of, you know, up, down, up, down, two days on, three days off, one day on, two days off. So that would be one way to get Bailey Ober regular work. But at the same time, it's just, I don't know if they're going to do that six-man role. I, I don't know if it makes sense to manipulate Maeda that much or manipulate the rest of the rotation to accommodate Maeda. Uh, I'll be curious to see how it plays out because as we noted on Friday, I don't think the twins need a fifth starter, let alone a sixth until about uh, it's like two weeks into the season, like a month from today. So I, it would be Bailey over, but I'm not sure I see it. Josiah Waldner, a fan of the show, been around for a long time watching us on the postcast last year. We love Josiah a lot. Uh, He wants to know which prospect has impressed me the most in spring training and, and who's disappointed me. And, I mean, Edouard Julien has to be pretty much at the top of that order, putting himself right in the mix to help this team and maybe soon. Um, don't know where he'll play defensively, but has bat, will travel, has been an adage in baseball for years, and I think it applies to this young guy. Um, I mean, disappointing, It's it's for me, disappointing is the fact that Austin Martin isn't healthy. It's not disappointment in him. It's disappointment in the circumstance. And it's, you know, we talk about Barrios struggling with Toronto, but, um, you know, how, how, do the, how do the Twins feel about this deal? Simeon Woods-Richardson is close, but pitching prospects are risky. The odds of him being as good as Jose Barrios are probably not, uh, over his first five years, probably not as strong as we'd like to think. And if Austin Martin's nothing more than a utility guy or maybe never makes the big leagues, um then yeah, it's just doesn't look like a good trade for anyone. So um it I would that, that would be my route for disappointing just because it's it's a shame. It really is. It's not a disappointment in him. It's just a 
disappointment in the, the situation. Uh, good friend Dave Mencarelli wants to know if Brooks Lee is a viable option at second base if Polanco can't make opening day, or will it be Farmer, Kyle Farmer, not just a guy on this roster, if you know, you know. Um, no, I don't. Brooks Lee's not in that mix yet. I think he'll probably go to double A, as I noted last week. At least that's what I would do. And the 40 man's a bit bunched up right now. And I think just Donovan Solano will play over there. Nick Gordon will play over there if it came to it. Because I I don't know how much Solano's going to play first. I don't know what what's up with Kirloff. That, that's the biggest issue with all of these spots is not knowing where certain guys will be needed. Will, will Farmer be needed at third because of Miranda's shoulder? Will Farmer be needed at second because of Polanco's ankle? Will Solano be needed at second because of Polanco's ankle? Will Solano be needed at first because of Kirilov's wrist? Will Miranda be needed at first because of Kirilov's wrist? Like, on any given day, there's not really a great answer to any of those questions. And so, no, it's not Brooks Lee, but I think it's probably... I think they would view Solano as a more everyday type player than Farmer. Um but again, that's just me kind of thinking out loud here. Farmers, obviously, uh, he makes more money. He's younger. Um, the price to acquire him was a little bit higher. So maybe they view him higher. I just think with Farmer, it was like, yeah, he'll hit lefties. He can play a little bit all over. Um, and for for the moment, he probably was the starting shortstop on opening day until the Korea situation shook out. But I, I just I don't see Brooks Lee anytime soon it'll maybe be this year but not right out of the shoot um i think it's going to be solano playing a lot of second base um minnesota twins fan 1991 hopefully i'm not betraying his confidence but he, he goes by jimmy uh asks outside of baseball how am i doing well this isn't a self-help podcast but good very good um got a four-month-old son who got shots this morning but he's doing great growing well Five-year-old daughter in kindergarten, lovely wife. It, it's all very, going very well, Jimmy. So thank you for your concern. I, I appreciate that. It's nice to know that that people care. Um, Terry wants to know if you could sign Sonny Gray to a three-year deal worth about 55 to 60 million, would you do it? Or assuming he's healthy all year, Tyler Malley to a five-year deal worth 85 to 95. So the reason he's asking is those are the only two free agent pitchers he'd be interested in bringing back. So he's not interested in Maeda, which, I mean, it all depends on the price. Maeda's on a really good contract right now. So he's probably going to want to cash in if he has even a decent season. So that would probably put him out of, you know, out of the twins range. But I digress. Um, I would lean Mally there just because Sonny Gray's older. The stuff isn't quite as good. And if you have a healthy year with Mally, and he shows you what he's capable of. He's going to be worth, I think, every penny of five years, $85 million. So I'm not opposed to that gray contract. I don't know. So three years and 60 is $20 million. Three years and 55 puts you at about 18.3. That's not a horrible value either, but three years is quite a while. Um, I'm going to lean Mally, and I'll say that I would do both. Like, neither of them are a sticking point for me. I just... I like the the possible length of time I'll have with Mally, and I like the skill set a little better. But they're obviously both very good pitchers. Um, final question from you guys: Devlin wants to know 
Do we see the front office being aggressive at the deadline this year if the Twins are within reach? And if so, how much influence do you think assistant GM, in quotes, Carlos Correa will have? Um, in theory, yes, I think they would be active. But what's hard to what's hard to look at right now is where? What are they going to need in July? Will they need another reliever? Maybe. But then again, how active are you if you only get a, a decent reliever? Like, are you very active if you go trade for another Jorge Lopez at that price? By itself, that's not really active. Um, and I, I think Lopez is more than a decent reliever, but just for comparison's sake, you know, when I think of aggressive, I think of uh, you go out and get a rental who's going to start game one for you in the playoffs. You know, a, a hired assassin like Granky was or or – CC Sabathia for the Brewers or, or way back. Um, um, Kurt, or, sorry, Randy Johnson for the Astros, in like 1998. Um, I, and I don't know that I see that. I think that they're going to be strict to their approach that if you get enough really solid starting pitching, you can win in this league. Um, I don't think they're going to spend a ton for a reliever again. Again, it all depends on how you view the package that they traded for for Jorge Lopez. I didn't think it was prohibitive, but your mileage may vary. So, you know, do they need help in center at this point in July? Do they need help because they have DFA Joey Gallo because he couldn't hit 180? Those questions I need to answer or have answered before I can really um, feel good about my my contribution here. Now, now with that said, to me, because I think they're going to win the division, as I noted last last segment, I don't think they'll have to be active. I think it'll be more along the lines of, do they need a Michael Fulmer type? Sure. Do they need a utility infielder type? Sure. Now, again, I don't know why with Farmer, Gordon, and Solano on the team, you would need that. Again, that's the complicating factor is they're pretty well put together puzzle-wise where, you know, if they have issues in the outfield, hopefully Larnick is healthy, Kirilov healthy. If they have issues on the infield, they've got depth. If they've got issues in the rotation, they've got depth. So not knowing how that depth gets cut into makes it difficult to know how, quote-unquote, active they'll have to be. Um, I hope that's not a cop-out. And maybe it is, but I I hope it's not. Um, But, you know, I think they'll be as active as the situation demands, which was the case last deadline, but was not the case in the offseason before that, when they signed Carlos Correa, but then didn't get any relief help, went into this rotation or the season with a rotation that had Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy. They tried to remedy that. Um, you can say they didn't do enough. That's fair. I'm not going to argue with that. But um, I trust them to see what they need in July if there's anything and assess it. Hopefully, that's a good enough answer. Uh, parting question for the masses. And again, this is me asking you a question, posing you a question for the comments so we can discuss it. If we get good discussion, we can bring it to another episode. We'll see where it goes. My question to you, and I want to get your rating one out of 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. How concerned are you, dear listener, about Byron Buxton's season starting on time? Where are you at? in terms of his readiness for the season. Are you feeling one, not very good, or 10, 
supremely confident. Where do you fall on there? I would love to hear from you in the comments. Now, with that said, that's a wrap on Locked On Twins for March 13th. I want to thank you so much for hanging out. Make sure you follow at Locked On Twins on Twitter, at Locked On M-I-N, and at Brandon underscore W-A-R-N-E. And again, too, five-star reviews, like, subscribe, whatever you can do to contribute on that end is more than enough for us. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Hang out in the comments. Send me questions for the final segment each day. And that's that. Mr. Brandon Warren signing off saying thank you so much. And don't forget to stop by tomorrow to Locked On Twins. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.